Grab your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 5. We have been in a series on the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes, um, Jesus preached a sermon called Sermon on the Mount in Matthew uh, chapter 5, 6, and 7. The Beatitudes is the introduction to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 3 through 11. What does Jesus do? Jesus highlights eight attributes or eight characteristics that he wants you and I to possess. And he says, when we do, we, are, we will be blessed. We will be blessed when we um, possess these characteristics. The Greek word for um, blessed there is markios. And it means this, supremely blessed, happy, or to be envied. Envied. So Jesus says, when we possess these qualities, we're going to be blessed, we're going to be happy, and other people actually envy our lives. Imagine, um, we talk about evangelism and that is, you know, sharing your faith. And I, I think every Christian should have the responsibility to, um, when they can, share the, their faith. You know, that's something we, we as Christians believe in. But imagine evangelism just being you living your life and people seeing the fruit of your life and like wanting it, like envying you. The Bible actually says, uh, Paul says this in the book of Romans, that we, um, would, we would provoke Israel, provoke the Jewish people to jealousy. In other words, they would see that we are partakers of the covenants that God promised them. And when they see that, hey, what are these Gentiles doing being partakers of the covenant that were promised to us? It would actually provoke them to jealousy and make them want to believe in Jesus as well. And so congratulations, you've been given the ministry of making people jealous. But let me ask you a question. What is it about your life that would make people want what you have? And that's actually what our faith should be like. Your, there should be something so real about you that people were like, I don't know what it is about you, but there's something different about you. What is it? What do you have that I don't have? Do you ever, do you ever people, have people ask you, ask you this? People are like, you're just marching to your own drumbeat. Sometimes that's a compliment. Sometimes it's not. <laughs> I definitely march to my own drumbeat. It's not on rhythm, but... Um, Amen. So, um, but the Beatitudes are God's recipe for a happy life. Does God want you to be happy? Does God want you to be blessed? Well, apparently, yes, because in the most famous sermon ever preached, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Jesus himself says, hey, if you possess these qualities, you will be blessed. You'll be happy. He says that nine times. So if God didn't want you to be happy, if God didn't want you to be blessed, what's all the happy talk about, right? Okay, now his pathway to be blessed and his pathway to be uh, happy are quite counterintuitive to what the world would tell you how to be happy and how to be blessed. And so, but we want to go after God's roadmap. Jesus desires that every Christian would possess these attributes. This is God's will for you. A lot of times people go through life and they're like, what is God's will for me? Where should I live? What's the house I should buy? Where should I go to school? What job should I get? Who should I marry? I don't know. But I do know part of God's will for your life. It's written in this book. And Jesus desires that you walk in and possess these qualities, these attributes. And so that's God's will for you. Okay. Um, Matthew chapter 5 verse 7, we're on the... Um, what part of this is this? This is part six. So this is the fifth um, beatitude. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. 
This is the only beatitude where you receive back the thing that you are. He says, blessed are those who are merciful. So that's an adjective. It describes you. You are merciful for they will be shown. This is a verb. Be shown mercy. When we are merciful people, God shows us mercy. He gives back the very thing that we are showing. Okay. Um, The Bible. uh, So today I want to talk to you about being agents of mercy, being agents of mercy. God wants Christians to be agents of mercy on this world. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that you and I have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Jesus desires to be reconciled to mankind. It says your and I, your and I, uh, our ministry is actually to take the hand of the world and take the hand of the Lord and say, be reconciled. One of the ways we can do that is by showing mercy to this world. This is an attribute Jesus wants us to have. Um, I don't know... If mercy is typically the first attribute that is used to describe most Christians, like it's a shame that that would be the case, but it should be the case when someone thinks of a Christian who's not a Christian, they're like, you know, what are they? Um, They're merciful. That should be at the top of the one of the top things of the list um, for people describing Christians. But every here's the deal: every believer is called to be an agent of mercy. Every believer. What does it look like to be an agent of mercy? Well, to understand mercy, we first need to understand justice. Because justice, justice is giving a person what they deserve. That's justice. Mercy is not giving a person what they deserve. And grace is giving a person what they do not deserve. By justice, you and I deserved hell. If you're Christian, then by mercy, you and I will not get what we deserve. Thank God for that. Amen. Amen. But by grace, we get to go to heaven and be with Jesus. And by grace, we get to live supernaturally as sons and daughters in this world. Let me give you an example of this. Suppose I was driving and I was going 100 miles an hour in a school zone and I get pulled over. How many know that if I got a ticket for going 100 miles an hour in a school zone, that's justice? Like, that's kind of a dumb thing to do, a really dumb thing to do, actually. Okay, that's justice. However, if I get pulled over for doing 100 in a school zone, and the officer says, I'm going to let you off with a warning, how many know that is abundant mercy? (laughs) Right? That would be God's abundant mercy. But if I get pulled over for doing 100 in a school zone, and the the officer says to me, Not only am I going to let you off with a warning, but here's a million dollars. That's grace. That's what grace looks like. So God didn't just have mercy on us. He actually imparted grace to us. And grace is how we live supernaturally as sons and daughters. Grace is God's unmerited favor. And grace is God's divine influence upon the human heart. Okay? We as Christians should be agents of mercy. And we should be agents of releasing grace to this world. Let me give you four reasons today why you and I should be overflowing with mercy. Reason number one, God's nature is merciful. One of the reasons you should be overflowing with mercy is because God in his nature is a merciful God. Thank God. (laughs) Right? He's not like the, the, the Greek gods. He's not angry. He's not spiteful but he's a merciful God. Let me show you this. Psalms 136, uh, verses 1 through 5. 
Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His mercy endures forever. That's such a good verse. Oh my gosh. Oh, give thanks to the, uh, the God of gods for his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords for his mercy endures forever. To him alone do, uh, does great wonders for his mercy endures forever. To him who by wisdom made the heavens for his mercy endures forever. That's verse five. This chapter goes on to tw- for 26 verses and says every time for his mercy endures forever. God by his nature by who he is, is a merciful God. Aren't you glad we serve a merciful God? You and I, how many know that we are, it says in, I believe it's in 1st or 2nd Peter, it says that we are partakers of the divine nature. We are partakers of his nature. How many know that if we're going to be partakers of God's divine nature, we're going to look like, act like, and walk like him, right? And he is merciful. In Jesus' day, in the, in the Greco-Roman uh, culture, uh, mercy was not considered a virtue. Mercy was regarded more as, it was actually regarded as a weakness. The Roman, um, the Roman culture and the Roman soldiers, they were, they were not merciful. They were ruthless. Okay? And mercy was regarded as a weakness in that, in that time. In Roman culture, um, Ro- uh, Roman fathers um, if their sons or daughters were not pleasing to them, they had the legal right to be able to kill their sons and daughters with no recourse. Um, if, they had a, if they were slave owners, they had the right, the legal right to kill one of their slaves with no recourse. So this is a merciless culture that Jesus lived among, the Jews and the Gentiles lived, um, lived among each other in Israel at that time. It was a merciless culture, but Jesus flips this on its head and says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And he's, he's showing mercy as an attribute that every Christian should possess. Let me ask you a question. Do you want to be like God? I want to be like God. I want to be Christ-like. What do we need to do? We need to walk in and be merciful. That's point number one. Why are we are agents of mercy? God is merciful. Point number two, second reason why we need to be merciful is he has given us mercy, right? He's given you mercy. This is the reason why we need to be merciful. I want to read this uh, Matthew 18, 21 through 35. This is the parable of the uh, unmerciful servant. It says this, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. I don't know where... um, Peter got this arbitrary number seven. It's like, seven sounds like a lot. Should we forgive him seven times? Jesus says, Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven, but 77 times. And some other translations say 70 times seven, which someone in the last service said was 400 and 490 times. Again, I don't think the number is super important. Jesus is saying, you should forgive a lot, okay? And here's why. <clears throat> Jesus said this, verse 23, therefore the kingdom of heaven <clears throat> is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. I don't know how much 10,000 bags of gold is worth, but I would imagine it's a lot, okay? Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. 
The servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. I just want to say, this is the exact situation that you and I are in. You and I had a mountain of debt before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And as we came to him with nothing and said, forgive my debt, he was abundant in mercy and forgave all of our debt. Question becomes, how then shall you and I live? How shall we live? Verse 28. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what happened, they were outraged and went and told their master, excuse me, I'm going to take a drink of water real quick. Talk amongst yourselves. Okay, stop talking. <laughs> when the other servants saw what <clears throat> oh, there it is. <clears throat> when the other servants saw what happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. When the, then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, the master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Verse 35, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Wow, that is a heavy portion of scripture, but here's the deal. Remember the mountain of debt that we have been forgiven from our, from our creator, the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And when we hold our brother or sister in Christ or just any person to this standard that you, how dare you do this to me? We're forgetting the mountain of debt that was forgiven of us. So we need to be merciful because God has shown us mercy. Reason number uh, three, why we are called to be agents of mercy Reason number three, God commands us to be merciful. God commands us to be merciful. Listen, I know that I love talking about how Jesus is my friend. Holy Spirit's my comforter, counselor. Let me me tell you another thing he is. He's Lord. Okay? And sometimes Lord says, do this or don't do that. Okay? If he's the Lord of your life, he says yes and he says no. And sometimes that's the final answer. Okay? He did command us to be merciful. Micah 6 Verse 8, it says this, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require? What does he command us? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. He commands us to, to be merciful, to love mercy. That's a pretty clear picture. Okay, point number four, why we are agents of mercy. We will need mercy in the future. I don't know about you, but I continually need mercy. Amen? Thank God his mercies are new every day. His mercies are new every day. So I want to offer mercy continually to others. It says this in James 2, verses 12 through 13. Speak and act like those who are being judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. 
So God's going to, does and, and will judge all of us someday. But how many know, I want to be judged with mercy. Amen. I don't want to be judged without, without mercy. And he says this, mercy triumphs over judgment. What's the point? Speak and act like you're going to stand before God one day and deal kindly with those around you. Be merciful to those around you. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been in a situation where you just showed, you showed someone no mercy whatsoever? Zero mercy. You just were ruthless, um, justice to the, to the maximum. Have you ever been in that situation? And maybe you had been justified in that moment, but I bet you regretted it later. I certainly have. I've been in situations like I am fully justified. I can fully hold your feet to the fire. I'm going to, you know, give it, give it to you 100%. And I, every time that happens to me where I show no mercy whatsoever, I always regret it. But mercy will be shown to us. You know, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Of course, we know that's true of God. God gives more mercy to us when we're merciful. It's also true for our fellow mankind, right? When people see you displaying mercy to other people, they're more likely to offer mercy to you as well. And we all need mercy from time to time, do we not? I need it every day. I'm married, and um, my wife has to give me lots of grace, so occasionally there's reciprocity there. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Last, last point, why we are agents of mercy. Point number five, showing mercy brings a blessing. It's a, it is a blessing to show mercy. Jesus said this Proverbs 14 four says this, he who despises his neighbor sins, but bless, uh, but he who has mercy on the poor, happy is he. He who despises neighbor sins, but he who has mercy on the poor, happy is he. Having mercy on the poor, having mercy on those who have less than us. Um, I want, um, I, I want to pitch to you like a scenario that I'm sure that you've all seen and walked in. We, we of course, see people who are poor. We see people who are homeless. And oftentimes we ask the question like, you know, what did they do to get into this position? Are they currently making decisions that keep them in this position? Um, are they, are they drinking and they refuse to give of alcohol, right? I just want to say, first of all, um, with people who are homeless, that is not the case every single time. There are certain people who found themselves in that situation, and it wasn't like they did something terribly wrong. They just, it was circumstances. And there are people in that situation who literally don't know how to get out of it. I know this because I've talked to people who've gotten off the streets, and they said, I had to have someone come alongside me and help me get off the streets because I didn't know how to do it. Okay, but even if a person is in that situation and it's fully because of their choices, they just, they just, they won't give up drinking, you know they're going to spend money on alcohol, whatever, it's still okay at times to show that person mercy even in the midst of their mess. Yeah. Amen? And I'm not saying I don't give to every homeless person I see. I don't really carry a lot of cash, to be honest, but I don't have a lot of change in my car because I give, usually give that away. But I just want to encourage you, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And it might not be the case that that person um, is, is uh, it might be the case that they're there because it's their own bad decisions. And you feel like, oh, am I enabling them? Listen, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit because you actually don't know the situation. Be sensitive to the Lord, but have mercy on the poor and have mercy on your fellow man. Remember the Greek word for blessed is happy, okay? 
the merciful person is happy. Proverbs eleven seventeen it says this, the merciful man does good for his own soul, but he who is cruel troubles his own flesh. How many want to be, how many want to do good for your own soul? I do. Be merciful. Blessed are the merciful. They will become recipients of mercy. I'll conclude with this. Uh, how many were here last week? Let me ask this question. It's okay. How many of you were not here last week? That's okay. All right. All right. Listen, we had a really good service last week. So don't miss church. Okay. Um, we had a really great service last week. We had a, a team here from uh, Bethel Church, and uh, Pastor Jory preached an amazing word. Um, and during, it was during the second service, we had a man come up who, um, from the team that came with uh, Jory and gave a prophetic word. And he was kind of a real soft-spoken man, but um, I want to um, replay this prophetic word that he gave us as a church because I, I feel like we need to lean into this a little bit more as a church. So um, go ahead and uh, roll that video real quick. Yeah, so I had actually a few individual words, but actually during pre-service prayer, um, the Lord reminded me, I saw a movie recently called The Jesus Revolution. And in the movie, Pastor Chuck Smith invites the hippies into his very conservative church, and the elders were very concerned they were going to mess up the carpet. So in response, in real life, what Chuck did was he ripped up the carpet. And so if you want to see revival, you're going to have to rip up the carpet of your hearts because revival is messy. And in revival, when you look to your left and your right, you're not going to see white faces. You're going to see black faces and yellow faces and brown faces. You're going to see dirty faces and dirty feet. And this isn't a word of correction. It's a word of preparation because revival is coming to city lights. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. correction it is a word of preparation god is moving here god will continue to move here and what does he want us to do he wants to be prepared to rip up the carpet of our hearts and allow people who are the untouchables to come in and be touched by the lord amen yeah. before we started this church five years ago <clears throat> um 2017 we started the church in 2018 um my wife and I were at a crossroads in our life, and I've told this story many times here before. We were in a crossroads in our life. We were pastors at a, at a church, uh, young adult pastors. And I knew that our season uh, at that church was, was ending. It was wrapping up. And I was praying like, Lord, what do you want with our lives? Do you want us to go to a different church and work there? Do you want me to go work a regular nine to five job? Or do you want us to go for that crazy idea of rolling around in the back of our minds to start a new church? As I was um, praying about this, I was actually on a run, and I was just processing with the Lord, praying as I'm running, and, and I have what I, what I call the Rolodex vision. And as I'm praying about this, all of a sudden, individual faces begin to pop up in my mind's eye. So a man, a woman, an old man, an old woman, all different ages, all different ethnicities, all different types of backgrounds. As I'm running, I prayed, and I'm like, okay, God, Okay, you're showing me these people. Who are these people? And why are you showing them to me? And I felt the Lord speak to my heart. And he says, these are the faces of the individuals who are going to come to faith through your ministry. They're currently lost. They're separated from me. But they're going to find Christ through your ministry. I knew right then and there at this very place, and I could take you where this happened, 
that the idea that we had had rolling around in the back of our minds to start a new church was not just a good idea, it was a God idea. It was what he wanted us to do. And so that word, that prophetic word really bore witness to me because we want to be ready for people coming through those doors. I wanna say this, anyone should be able to walk through those doors. We set the bar very low for people to just come in. Obviously the bar is much higher for people who stand up here. Uh, The bar is much higher for people who are leading something in this church, right? But we wanna set the bar low that anyone at any point in their life can walk through it. We need to be ready to see individuals of all types come through those doors. Let me give you two keys that we need to have. And I'm asking this as, as your pastor to consider this. Key number one, let them belong before they believe. Let people belong before they believe. We want them to believe, but we gotta get them here before they can do that, right? Key number two, let them belong before they behave. Amen? Let them belong before they behave. Let me give you an application for this. If you see people coming to the church and they're not dressed quite right, for the love of God, please don't say anything. Just let them be. You got a girl showing too much cleavage, just zip it, all right? Let her come. We're not going to put her up here and put her in charge. Don't worry. Let her come and just, the Bible says that it's the goodness of God that draws men and women to repentance. The Bible also says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Well, how, they, how can they taste and see that the Lord is good if they can't even get in here? And how can the goodness of God draw them to repentance if they can't even taste and see that the Lord is good? Okay. Now, if you're discipling someone, you're in relationship with someone, they know they love you, then of course you can speak into people's lives. You can, you can begin to speak if you're an older mentor in someone's life and you're, you're speaking to their lives. Of course, you can begin to, you know, disciple someone. But even when, if someone's here, the, the standard is we want people here, whether demonstrating repentance or not. Obviously, we don't, again, we're not putting people in charge who aren't demonstrating repentance. We all have to live in that state of repentance. But even if they're not, we want them here because it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. We need to create a safe space for them. Luke chapter 5, verse 29 says this. Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Verse 31, Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Here's what I want to say. Please show hospitality to individuals who walk through those doors of all different types and let's show them mercy. Justice might be like, hey, you're not supposed to dress like that. You're not supposed to act like that. But mercy is like, come on right on in. We love you. Sit here. Amen. Yes, we're going to teach truth. Yes, we're going to teach holiness. We're not backing off on the Bible. We're not backing off on truth. We're going to lean into it more. We're going to try to present it with as much grace as possible. But we need to just let this be a place where you're comfortable bringing people who don't know the Lord and we want people walking through those doors of all kinds of things going on in their lives. Again, the bar is set low walking in. The bar is set much higher for people leading. Why don't you have you uh, stand to your feet this morning? <clears throat> and uh, as we're getting ready to dismiss here, I'm going to pray. 
We're praying for um, two groups of people. Group number one, Jesus said we should all possess mercy. Every Christian, this is an attribute we should possess. Mercy is probably not my top gift. It's probably not my top attribute, but I know that the Lord, my wife says it's true. Yeah, she's up here saying, yeah, tell me about it. My kids could probably say the same thing. Um, but we're all supposed to possess it. And then group number two, there's actually something the Bible calls a gift of mercy. Romans, uh, Romans chapter 12, um, Paul says there's, there's varying um, gifts within the body and he talks about prophecy and these different things. And one of the gifts of the spirit is actually a gift of mercy. And some people have the supernatural gift of showing mercy to other people. Isn't that cool? Um, and so just like we should all have mercy, but then some have the gift of mercy. Just like the Bible says you can all prophesy, but then how many know there's the gift of prophecy and then there's the office of a prophet, right? So I want to pray for all of us. And then of course, um, let's start specifically with those who feel that you um, have the gift of mercy. Would you just, if you feel like you actually possess the gift of mercy, would you just stretch up your hand towards me? Yeah. I'm going to pray for you. Father, I thank you for these ones who possess a supernatural gift of, of mercy. And, and, and I bear witness to the, many of these people raising their hand. I absolutely know you and I know you have that gift. And so Lord, I just speak um, an anointing and an acceleration over the gift of mercy that it is actually supernaturally charged by the Holy Spirit to just unlock the hearts, Lord. Unlock the hearts of people, Lord. I thank you that you're going to completely disarm people through that gift of mercy in people's lives, Lord. And so I just speak, uh, we just honor that gift and we say it's welcome here and it's so needed here. And uh, we, just, we just bless that in Jesus' name. Oh, there's gonna be testimonies coming through the gift of mercy. We often tout like the gift of prophecy and these, you know, these great gifts, but I'm telling you, the gift of mercy can be just as powerful. And so be encouraged if you have that. And then I'm just gonna pray for everyone right now. So everyone raise your hands. Lord Jesus, I thank you for all of us, Lord, that we're all supposed to walk in and have mercy while we're, we're Christians, Lord God. Thank you for the ministry of reconciliation, Lord. And I just pray that we would each um, display this in our lives, Lord God. We love you. We bless you. We thank you for today in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. amen.